Hello everyone. I really, really wanted to start off in such a in such a singy, bold, sort of really belting out the song way because really that's what we should be doing when we're talking about this movie today, but Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. I am Morgan, I haven't seen things. That's the point. Janine, hi. Hello, Morgan. Can yeah, you I tell I'm in an excited mood? Yeah, I was waiting for you to come up with spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, something like yeah. that. Or just, you know, belting out one of various love songs sang in this movie from the real world. Yes. You know? I don't know. I don't know, though. How are we doing today? We're doing pretty good. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this movie. What movie is that? 2001's Moulin Rouge. Yes. Moulin Rouge. It is the last episode of our modern musicals series on Morgan Hasn't Seen, as chosen by Carla, the glorious Carla. Janine's doing some sort of strange mime dance right now. Um, not so sure why. This is this is the benefit that I get when I can see you. You guys can't see. Why do you I out can... me? I'm just over here, just you know, expelling nervous energy, and you're you... just outing me for my silliness. You out <laughs> me and my dancing every time we start a show. Because people want to hear about that. They don't want to hear about my fidgeting. People want to hear about you pretending to be a mime. This movie's set in France. Mimes are French. It fits. Fair enough. Does it not fit? I think it fits. I'm surprised there wasn't a mime in this movie, to be honest with you. Because it's all... I think there was enough, I think there was enough going on. There was, there was, to, to be, be honest, honest, there was probably enough going on in this movie, yeah. It is... I think, I think to, to sort of start off... Um, and we do have Patreon shout-outs as well, so we'll we'll do we those do. before we get into the big meat of the episode. Um, this is one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. Um, but is that I mean, a good or a bad thing? <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's a it's a good thing. Um, I I've I haven't seen a movie like this before, and I've read things that like. Moulin Rouge thinks it was being original, but it actually wasn't being original at all. Like, how is this movie not being original at all? Who looks at this movie and goes, yeah, this is like every other musical I've ever seen. No, I, because I don't, and nobody else should. It's like the only thing that's not original about it is the songs, but even the songs that they take, they put original spins on them and they work them into the story really well. So, yeah, like, I don't know how people can look at this and say it's something they've seen before. That's that's weird. I don't I think mean, I've heard that criticism sure, of the movie before. It's based off operas and that kind of thing, right? About and like and, yeah. tra- and tragedy and tragic that sort love of thing. Stories, people yeah. exactly, and obviously we've all seen tragic love stories before. Since stories started being told by the ancient Greeks or even before them, when it was just word of mouth stories, tragic yes. love stories have been told. So and to say, I mean, we've seen 
we've seen the whole kind of story within a story, especially in movies that are yeah. like based in Hollywood and things like that. But I think what they do here is pretty unique and um, I do pretty creative and original but- in a lot of ways. So yeah, I've never heard that criticism before. I think that's a little, little, a little harsh. Yeah, I mean, it's. I suppose it it it, it is to do with the story itself which yes isn't the most original story is it because when you you know boil it down to the um what do you call it when you boil it down to the core elements yeah it's a very it's the same story you've seen every in every movie ever the same tragic love story that yeah you've probably seen before but you can say that about any movie so i don't think that's valid um and then obviously the songs themselves are near enough all covers of rather famous songs uh, for the most part. There's some like lesser songs in there, to be honest, lesser covers. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's like very, very famous songs that are just covered in weirdly 19, you know, France in 1900. So it's it's sometimes a bit strange but what i love most about this movie is that you never don't know you're watching a movie you know what do you mean what do you mean by that i mean it it... elaborate yeah (laughs) so it's all obviously in the entirely fantastical surreal world where nothing looks real and everything's kind of weirdly expressionistic and like especially at the start, like all the things that are going on with these weird camera movements and the weird editing, and it's sort of like it looks half animated and then half, you know, live action. You never don't know you're watching a movie. You are never you are never um, in belief that what you are watching is it's real is set in the real world because it isn't. It is a movie. It is a showpiece. And that's just exemplified by the fact that they are singing covers of songs that came out 80 years after the movie was set. Yeah. And even from the start of the opening credits, like you have a conductor conducting exactly. like the opening credits. <laughs> He's conducting the 20th Century Fox century. logo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I mean, it opens, the curtains open mm-hmm. to reveal yeah. a 20th Century Fox logo. Yes. And that's, that's what I mean. That's why I, that's why I like this movie. I, I like movies where I know I'm watching a movie. You know, this goes back to my whole idea of being too scared about real life. You know? Yeah, if it that gets we had real, like a month then ago. you can't. Oh, yes. When things get a little too real for you, it's hard to like, you know, because movies are kind of meant to be an escape. So if you can relate to it too much or if you can see it actually happening in your world, it's hard to enjoy it from that escapist aspect, which I mean, I think a lot of people have different ways of watching movie. Like some people like them when they can relate to a movie or relate to a story. It's more personable to them. But um yeah, I think people also like the escapist aspect, and this movie definitely gives you that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the same reason people like true crime and stuff like that. 
because it's just intrigue in the real world. Whereas yeah. I, I couldn't care less about the real world. The real world is what it is, and it is what it is. <laughs> we have to deal with it in its horrible, horrible way. So, I like no, I like the idea of the fantastical and the sort of wacky, um, surreal world that Moulin Rouge and Baz Luhrmann shoves down our faces. Because let's be fair, he shoves it down our faces. But I don't mind that. Lots of zoom-ins to places and zoom-ins to windows and quick cuts. and. I really yeah. don't mind that, though. I really I really don't mind it. I, I know you thought it would be a little overblown and... Um... <laughs> a little jarring for you, because I know, you know, sometimes you need to take an information... Um, at a slower pace like I rem- I can't remember what movie we watched for this show and like it took you a while to kind of grasp what was happening I can't remember what movie it was like it was just so much stuff was it because it was, too, like... <laughs> it was too fast a movie I think it was just too much plot stuff like right at plot. the front right. and it was like you had to like take a minute to kind of break it down and like I had to explain to you no this person is like that guy and this person oh. like and you were like you like you were confused by like the relationships of people to each other and like you were missing things that happened because it was like so much going on and it was a bit convoluted I, do you know what I, I think can't remember was. what movie it was I think it might have been um <laughs> the best man because there was such a huge ensemble of people <laughs> And, and you had was, to kind of figure out, yes. And I had to know exactly whose relationship was with who from the fifth minute of the first movie. Yes. Okay. To actually I, make I think, sense of it. Right. I think it was that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, but so not, when it was like, you know, they were kind of going through the story and the characters and things were kind of really fast. And oh my gosh, this is the Duke. And this is what we have to do for the Duke. And da, 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 And I'm a writer. And oh my gosh, it's like mixed up identities. And oh my gosh. And they kind of go through all that very kind of quick. So I didn't know if that was going to be like too much sensory overload for you. But I get that. I get that. <laughs> but ultimately, I think Moulin Rouge is a very simple movie, which is the difference. There's not much plot in Moulin Rouge. Someone falls in love with someone who should be in love with someone else, and that one someone is actually dying. So it's all very tragic. And, That's the movie. And the story with the story within the story is telling the same story. <laughs> like that whole kind well, of yes, meta yes. It is, wheel it is, is also yes. kind of being turned there as well. Yes, because it's you and McGregor, it's you and McGregor writing. The, it opens basically with their story. the story yeah. of what's happening slash has just happened with them. Yes, with with the 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 with him and Satine. Yes, yes. But ultimately, the movie's quite simple in its story, in its plot. It's very very simple. Yes. Something like the Best Man, I found, was very complex in its plot. Because there were so many different weaving, worthing, whatever, whatever <laughs> in it. Yes. That you really had to stay focused on exactly what was going on at all times. Something like gotcha. this. You can just sit down. You can sit back. You can enjoy the musical numbers. You know what's going on. And you damn well know how the story ends. Because quite frankly, it ends at the beginning and it begins at the end. Yeah. It's one of those movies as well. I don't know. I like how Ewan McGregor's um, 
depressive state is also involving <laughs> him have a beard. A beard. We, o- <laughs> yeah. we always like Ewan McGregor with a beard. Yeah, this movie likes to think that Ewan McGregor with a beard is sad Ewan McGregor. Depressed and sad. And Ewan McGregor, fresh face, clean shaven, oh, look at me, I'm so youthful, I'm Ewan McGregor, is like happy Ewan McGregor. (laughs) He is fresh faced. Anyway, should we get on to some patron shout outs before any more conversation on the movie? Yes, let's do that. Would you like to start, Janine? I will. So, thank you to our awesome patron, Abby Friel. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you, Adelia Chamberlain. Thank you to Billy Polahan. I think we have a phone call from Billy later on as well. Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Brandon Nana. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Brianne Chandler, the great Brianne Chandler. Yay. Thank you, Carla Fees. Thank you, new patron, Corey Morissette. Woohoo! Thank you, Delisha Renee. Thank you, Dwayne Burke. Let's let's uh let's get the um the football show together, Dwayne. Oh, Come on. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh, thank you, Eric Garcia. Thank you, GG. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Jake Yakavetta. Thank you, Jeff Newton. Thank you, Jenny Lawson. Thank you, John Mariano. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you, Christina Vero. And thank you, Kyle Grandinetti. Thank you, Laura Horsefall. Thank you to LK. Thank you, Lucas Shashek. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you, Megs. Thank you to Steve Movie Finale. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Gilmore. Thank you, Nicole Pereira. Thank you, Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Oscar Romo. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to Randall Sands. Thank you, Robert Parker. Thank you, Sally Mercedes. And thank you to Samir Tesfai. <laughs> We go Snow White with it at the end, do we? Yes. There was no Snow White in this movie. No, there was not. However, Nicole Kidman is very white. You know, she's very very pale. pale. Yes. She's like too pale. She's like me. You know, when I look too pale. Yes. You know, those times of the world when I just look too pale. She's very pale. (laughs) I don't know what the lighting was. was I don't know what odd weird lighting Baz Luhrmann was using. Was using, but yeah, she looked very porcelain-esque. I don't know if that was what they were going for. That's probably exactly what they were going for, to be honest with you. So I I can't have too many qualms about (laughs) it, because it's probably exactly what they were going for. Anyway, Janine, what do you think of Moulin? What are your feelings towards Moulin Rouge (laughs) before? before? I know know I haven't seen it. When, When did you see it first what have you thought about it for your life um i saw it i I didn't see it in theaters i saw it like at home maybe like 10 years ago okay 10 plus years ago um well of course it has to be 10 plus years ago because it came out in 2001 duh 
but well, you, more than that, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, um, <laughs> um, maybe you just saw it on a random day in 2013. Yes, me and my friend were at my dad's, and it was on, and we decided to watch it, and we were blown away by Ewan McGregor singing. Like, when he sings, and, like, all the lights in the city come on, that's was like, we were like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, we would have yeah. turned our lights on, too, because it was it was very magical. So magical. Did you turn all your lights on in your house? Uh, yeah, we went. Just like, like, run around the house just flicking <laughs> We just reenacted <laughs> that, that scene. Just replayed him singing that first note, and we just started turning all the lights on. But, um, yes, uh that kind of drew us in we were like because i I didn't know he could i didn't know he could do that what and yeah just really loved the story loved the kind of flair and brightness of it and the uh creativity of it it was just very fun and not like anything i had really seen at, at that point and i wasn't like a huge musicals person before that so um it's not like i had much to really compare it to but I liked how they used the new, the, you know, the popular songs that we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they kind of were able to put their own spin on them. Uh, and yeah, I was just really kind of blown away by hearing Nicole Kidman sing and Ewan McGregor sing. So that was a big kind of drawing point for me because I was like, I was not expecting that at all. I mean, obviously, we, Nicole Kidman is just in the movie anyway because, you know, Baz Luhrmann, Australia, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Nicole Kidman's also kind of half doing an Australian accent and then kind of remembering sometimes to not do a, her regular Australian <laughs> accent. Yes. Well, fun fact, she's actually American. She's actually American? She was born in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Born in Hawaii. I wouldn't mm -hmm. put uh, Nicole Kidman as being Hawaiian. Yeah, so she grew up in Australia, so, you know, but she, okay. she was born in Hawaii. So she's like me in that sense, where I was born in Canada, oh, yes, but I that's grew up true. in America. <laughs> Nic Nicole Kidman and you are very similar. Oh, yes, we're the same person. So similar. <laughs> and you do both really like Ewan McGregor. We do. Which is nice. <laughs> Obviously. Everybody likes Ewan McGregor. I love Ewan McGregor. He's yes. the best. He's your he's your celebrity twin. He is. As everybody <laughs> used to tell me, and I have recently come to believe myself, Ewan McGregor is my yeah. celebrity doppelganger. <laughs> and I appreciate that, because I just like Ewan McGregor anyway. You know, it's nice to have someone like Ewan McGregor as your celebrity doppelganger. Could you ima imagine if you just had somebody who was terrible? Yeah. Like, imagine if you looked... Like, uh, I don't know, who's terrible? Like like another supposed Australian who's actually American, Mel Gibson. <laughs> like Mel Gibson, exactly. If you know, there's, there's questions to be had with Mel Gibson, isn't there? <laughs> yes. So if, you, if, you, if your celebrity doppelganger was Mel Gibson, you'd be, you wouldn't be as excited. No, probably not. <laughs> and if it was you, if it was you and McGregor. Um, I'm certainly not going to shave my beard to be as fresh-faced as you and McGregor in this movie. And I certainly cannot version. sing. I'll, uh, yes, I'll just be the the <laughs> sad, oh no, my love has died version of you yes. and McGregor. Um, he can sing, though. My God. Yes. He can really sing. He was, like, like belting 
he was projecting, he mm-hmm. was belting, which is a great word. He was, he, he, he was ridiculous. I didn't think yeah. of McGregor. You would, you just don't. Yeah, I think that's why it's so impressive. Because it just, you you think you McGregor, okay, you McGregor's a little, he's he's nice, he's a nice guy, he's timid, he's kind of like, hmm, hi, I'm you and McGregor, I do fun things, yes, I can shout sometimes, but can I sing? Well, actually, I can sing, and here I am singing the sound of music all of a sudden, <laughs> right? <laughs> to a, a a troupe of. Uh, theatre performers that include a ridiculously (laughs) made-up John Leguizamo. As a little person who's just walking on his knees. It's ridiculous. And has a silly lisp. (laughs) If I I for one minute believed this movie was in the real world, that would have just taken me out of it. Um, But it was fine, because it never actually was real. So to have John Leguizamo doing this nonsense that John Leguizamo's doing throughout the movie is kind of like, okay, that's just another wacky thing that's going on. Yeah, It's like Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent, who I absolutely love, but what on earth is his outfit and hair and facial hair and what's going on? Yeah, he's like a circus grandmaster more than, you know, a, a club Owner. Owner person, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. The Moulin Rouge itself is, of course, like a, you know, in the movie, is yeah. a, 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 almost a nightclub. It's, again, it's 1900. It's France. It's, the whole movie is about living this, living the bohemian lifestyle life. of, yeah. mm-hmm. of, of show of shows and music and dancing and Love acting and, and freedom all that sort of and stuff. truth and beauty i think those were like the four ideals that they yes. kind of mention all the time um with everybody else like you mcgregor's father shunning him for dreaming and that kind of thing so it's nice <laughs> yeah. in that way because it ultimately is kind of a movie about um dreaming and going traveling somewhere to fulfill your dream yeah. Which Ewan McGregor does do for a year before, you know, Nicole Kidman dies. We know Nicole Kidman dies at the beginning of the movie. It's not even a spoiler. No. We know she dies. That's the point. But it is, it's all about that. So it's nice in that way. It's cheerful. Until it's yeah, very so not it's cheerful. Dreams. It's cheerful. Yeah, it's about having dreams and, you know, wanting bigger things. And that's yeah. always a nice theme to have in a movie. It is. It is. Because it, it plays to people that like movies a lot. Because you tend to think, you tend to have that people that like movies a lot feel that way. Or, you know, yeah. are wired that way. To be dreamers, to be lovers of love and freedom and beauty and all that kind of thing. And acting, shows and dancing, music and all that. Yeah. Because it's you definitely get that in the end. And you get that definitely with... Um... The song Nicole Kidman sings, "The One Day I'll Fly Away." Um, yes, which is a good song. I like sings. that song. Just yeah. like in regular, real life, I like that song. Whenever yeah. I hear it on the radio and things, I remember I was obsessed with the soundtrack. So, like once I saw the movie, I bought the soundtrack and I, yeah, I, okay. I played that thing out for sure. Can I ask you a question about the soundtrack? Mm-hmm. Like, 
Why was Lady Marmalade barely in this movie? I think because it was probably too modern. It was too modern. I assumed <laughs> that it was literally the biggest thing in this movie. Based off of that music video? Based off of the music video, based off of the popularity of the song, based yeah. off of the fact that I literally know that song, not from its like original 70s version, from the <laughs> from this version with Christina Aguilera and, and Pink and... Lil Kim and everybody. Yes. Um, from the Moulin Rouge soundtrack, there were some notes of it <laughs> about ten minutes in when Jim Broadbent was doing his whole "Welcome to the Moulin Rouge" song. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. I was yeah. severely disappointed. I think it's just kind of meant to be one of those, you know, because it's like the French kind of words, so. Um, yeah. Obviously, that song is kind of fitting, but just how modern that version of the song is, I don't know that they felt like they could fit it in there to make it actually kind of fit with the times. Maybe. I, well, but yeah, I like they managed like to the, f- they managed to fit. Um, what did they manage Nirvana, to fit? In? Nirvana. Nirvana. In the, yeah. So why can't you fit that? Yes, they got Nirvana it. with its grungy smells, guitar. Smells like Teen Spirit was in there, yeah. And it literally had like grungy guitars playing as well. So if you can do that, I'm pretty sure you can do. You could fit a song that actually has French in it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That yeah, was just that a queer. Kind of weird. That, yeah, that is a kind of. I don't think I've really thought about it, but you're right. You would think that song, the way they were pushing that music video out, like that music video was so popular. That song was so huge. Yeah, like the way they were kind of selling that whole song, you'd think it would have been more, you know, prominent in the movie. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I don't know. I just found it weird. Um, I mean, look, some of the the covers are, I think, better than others in this movie. Did you like um, um, your song? I loved your song. I mean, I like your song anyway. As just as a yeah. song, it's a great song, and I actually feel like I can kind of half sing it because it's very, very simple. So it works yeah. well with my kind of one note it voice. Maybe quite simple, but exactly. <laughs> but you know, you don't have to be a phenomenal singer to sing your song well. I think because it's. It is simple, and you can give your own little spin to it at times, like which I think McGregor you and McGregor did. does do. Yeah. Um, but I like that whole scene. I like that whole scene because it's, you know, the mis- the case of mistaken identity with the Duke. Richard yeah. Roxburgh, by the way, where's he been? What's he been doing? The Duke? Yeah. Is he, like, was he the Duke? He was the Duke, right? I like him. I'll always remember him for being Dracula in Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. Um, I remember him from, but you you won't know this because you haven't seen any of these movies, which we'll, we'll yeah. definitely be doing at some point. He was like the Dougray Scott, who was the main villain in Mission Impossible 2. He was like his right hand guy. So he's always he's always a, a somewhat of a sinister well, he's always character. He's always sinister. <laughs> he's always, but like, yes, he's pretty good at it. You know? Yeah, 
He's pretty good. And then to kind of turn on the weaseliness of it in this movie was really good. (laughs) I mean, his mustache is horrendously thin (laughs) and long. So, you know, I was excited by that. But, like, (laughs) what, what does he do these days? I don't know. He's very talented. What does he do these days? I feel like we've said that a lot recently. Yeah, it's like what in. happened to James Marsden? What happened? To... <laughs> what happened to James Marsden? And what Nikki, happened Nikki to Blonsky, the girl Nikki, from Hairspray? Yeah, yes. She was very talented. Yeah. And John Travolta, we John were Travolta. actually asking the yeah. question about as well. <laughs> What's John Travolta doing? I don't know. What is Richard Roxburgh doing though? That's a a good question. Do we know what he's doing? Are you searching what he's doing? I am searching what he's doing. Oh, yeah, he was also a villain in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So he's basically owning the early 2000s, but hasn't done anything since. Um, There's a movie called Go-Karts. Oh, dear. This from this year, upcoming projects. He was Go-karts. in this t- a TV series, Catherine the Great. Oh. So it looks like a lot of TV things. Okay. Well, if it's TV dramas, I'm never going to see him, so... Oh, he was in Hacksaw Ridge. That's right. Oh. Okay, fair enough, then. He's still doing things. Yes. He's not fallen off the face of the earth. No. Well well done, Richard. <laughs> well done. Uh, but yes, that whole... That whole... The whole Your Song scene, when it's the case yeah. of mistaken identity between you and McGregor and the Duke... Um. And he's trying to read this poetry, but he's all nervous about it. Nicole Kidman's being way too overly dramatically sexual about it. Because she's trying to sell him. And, like, the fact that, like, the words that he's using, you know, are have this, like, double entendre type thing. So that's a part of the whole mistaken kind of situation, which makes for, like, some funny moments, I think. You know me, I, I it's it's funny. I always like silly double entendre because it's just silly and it's a bit yes. it's low brow and it's just yes. sometimes we like silliness like that. Yeah. Um but yeah. It was fun because he's all nervous doing this. Oh, I, I just want to do my poetry reading. I'm sorry. Please stop just like, oh, trying poetry. to please stop trying to grind on me, Nicole Kidman. Um, I yes. just want to read my poetry, and then he just blasts out your song. And she's, like, kind of taken aback. She wasn't expecting that. No. Oh. And then we're all like, then, yay, yay, you and McGregor is so good at singing. When they're all, let's just also remember that they are doing all this, and this whole scene takes place, and all the musical number takes place inside some sort of huge elephant. Yes, where Satine lives i guess is in a giant elephant elephant which is again just surreal and bizarre and fantastical yeah, and beautiful and yeah it's the whole point of this movie i don't know i mean i did like yours i'm tr- i'm trying to think of if i preferred any other musical number in this movie well they had the they had the love medley which was i think just what it's called it's just the love medley so it was like a combination of a bunch of different love popular love songs yeah Um, you you had all you need is love in there yes and um i was made for loving you baby you were made for loving me me yeah the silly love songs (laughs) 
Yes, and uh, heroes. Heroes. David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what else was in there? There were other things in there. I think there was a Phil Collins song in there. The Whitney Houston Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was in there. Yeah. <laughs> People always forget that was Dolly Parton yeah. originally. I suppose it was. I mean, which which do you prefer? Whitney Houston's version, to be actually fair. Yeah. To be actually fair, it's just sung better. Um... Yeah, it was a, it was a nice it was a nice nice love medley. I mean the weirdest one by far was uh Jim Broadbent. I forget what he was actually singing now, but it was Jim Broadbent's um Oh uh, who was uh, he singing uh, like it a to? virgin. Like, like a, virgin. a virgin. Jim Broadbent's like, like a, a virgin was unbelievable. <laughs> what was going on? Yes. A hundred percent that was the weirdest thing in the whole movie. Never in my life did I think I would see something like that. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> I kind of turned off for that, like, two minutes. Yeah, yeah so just, I think a lot of people wow. did. Wow. The, the tango, the Roxanne Ooh, yeah. tango was really great. That's pr- I really that was did good. enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really like the way he was singing Roxanne, to be honest with you. No, the growliness of it. The, the growliness of of some. Was it the um the unconscious Argentinian who was singing? Yes, yes, with the narcolepsy. Yes, I just liked I liked the composition of it. I liked that it was kind of put against a tango. Definitely. Um, and then you know, of course, when Ewan came in with his you know belting parts, I, that's like my favorite part of that whole. Yeah. Definitely, I like. I did like the the whole dance, the whole tango. It was yeah. like cell block tango. Just another reason to confuse Chicago and Moulin Rouge <laughs> that I yeah. apparently have always done. Um, but yeah, I did like. I did like the whole dance, but I didn't necessarily care for a growly version of yeah. Roxanne. Yes, uh, I'm not going to try and do it. I've I, I've kind I've wanted to sing for the last half an hour. <laughs> and we've been going for half an hour. And I've been wanting to sing, but I'm very conscious of doing it. Oh, goodness. So I don't think come I'm going on, to. Come on, come on. You know the people want to hear you. I'm sure the people do want to hear me. I will do it to the people when the people are in the same room as me. Not now. Oh, fine. I don't trust the microphone. <laughs> I don't trust okay. the uh, the audio recording. I I don't know that they would appreciate the growling in their ears. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Nobody wants that. Not not like, you know, heavy growling. Like when it yeah. like, you know, nice light growling can be nice in certain circumstances, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe you're feeling like Nicole Kidman feels towards the beginning of this movie where she's just wanting to grind on everybody. And then I'm sure a nice soft growling would help in that situation, but not an aggressive (laughs) growling. I like you breaking down the different styles of growling. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like like I'm some sort of expert in growling. I don't know. Um, Um, There was also... um, Diamonds, our girl's best friend, which does bring up some interesting memories from school so i don't know if i brought high up. I, I, I might have brought up before the uh the pageant that my high school used to have okay like two I'm, years I'm story time 
So at my high school, I went to Buchanan High School. And when my brother was a senior, they started this thing called the Mr. and Miss Buchanan pageant. So you go, like you answer questions like you would like in a beauty pageant. And then you do a talent. And then the judges vote on who they want to be, Mr. Buchanan and Miss Buchanan. So my brother had won it. So two years later, when I was a senior, I was like, okay, I guess I'll do this pageant. But I was really shy and nervous and stuff. But I was like, let's just go for it. So I do the pageant and this guy who ended up winning Mr. Buchanan, he ran around the stage singing this movie's version of Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. And okay. he ended up winning and he ended up winning Mr. Buchanan. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's, a, it's an unusual choice of song, I yeah. think. But uh, if it works for him. It works yes. for him. I'm a little disappointed. I think somebody else should have won. The person who got first runner up, he like, um, what are they called? Oh, Outcast. You know, on yes. 2000. Yeah, Outcast. So they had a song called Bombs Over Baghdad. And it's like the super fast rap, you know, in yeah. the song. And he made up a whole rap about our high school to that song and did it okay. all fast. And so I was like, this dude needs to win. But no, he didn't win. The The guy who was running around the stage throwing fake diamonds around and just running around. Like he wasn't even dressed in like a spangly costume. He was just wearing like a tight, a white t-shirt and jeans and just ran around the stage like throwing plastic diamonds around and saying to this version. <laughs> people, people like diamonds, Ginny. Meanwhile, this guy... T- Came up with a whole original rap about our high school, two bombs over Baghdad, and yeah, he did not win. Which I was, no. I had a similar situation. I ended up also being first runner up in that competition, and I lost to a girl who had a pie eating contest with herself. So with herself, <laughs> yes, like she, the night of the show, she did not come up with the talent. So she, like, at the last minute, decided she was going to have a pie eating contest with herself. So this is what she did. She ate some of a pie. Then yes. she would take she she had a wig on. She would eat some of a pie. Then she'd take the wig off and eat some of another pie as herself. Then put the wig back on and eat some of another pie. And that was her talent and she won. I sang the school song a cappella and I was so nervous and everybody loved it, but I got first runner up. So but because I, I probably because I was super I was super awkward answering my questions that they asked me. So that's probably what lost it for me. But yeah, I lost to a girl who had a pie eating contest with herself. And the bombs over Baghdad like guy lost to someone who was pretending to be sateen and throwing fake diamonds around. Well, I'm stage. sure you and the the rap guy had a lovely time being first runner ups together. <laughs> we did. Um, we did. <laughs> That sounds a little bit ridiculous. We I don't plotted. know how we were you're... both plotting to get rid of the other people, so we, then we could just, you know, usurp their yeah. titles. But, I don't know how you yeah. possibly have a pie eating <laughs> contest with yourself, though. right? That's like you know, like playing chess against yourself. Yeah. So that was so creative to the judges, apparently, that she won. And you yeah. can't compete so... against yourself. That's not a thing. It was two different people because she, you know, when she put the wig on, it wasn't her. It was somebody else. Unless you've got multiple personality disorder, which she might have. We don't know. We can't. We can't count that out. Well, you can't we'll, have we'll a pie to talk more about that yourself. on Friday's show. Yes, I think so. More, 
multiple personality pie eating contests yes. is what we'll have. <laughs> um, but yes, I think ultimately people just like diamonds. Um, and is, as far as this movie's version of Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend go, I mean, it's a good, it's good. It's all, you know, Nicole Kidman's great on introduction. a swing. Yeah, I think it's a great, and that's her character's introduction. Yeah. She comes in. I mean, in, it's not going to beat like, Marilyn's, is it? to this song. No. But uh, it's good. I mean, Nicole Kidman's very good in this movie. Everybody's kind of weirdly very good in this movie. I, I mean, the main weirdly. two. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman are legitimately very good. Jim Broadbent's weirdly very good. Richard Roxburgh's like kind of weirdly ha, very good. Ha, ha, Jen. <laughs> so weird. I've got no idea why they picked Jim Broadbent to do that. Like, yeah. any song. Any, any song. Or just have somebody else do it. I think... I Didn't I... I might have I might have read as well that it wasn't actually Jim Broadbent's voice in the final movie. Jim Broadbent really? sang like a virgin, but then it was kind of half dubbed over by an actual opera singer. Oh, okay. Well, it to, it's still like, it did, <laughs> that didn't take away from the awkwardness of that no, situation. No, but it like two Jim Broadbent's like tone of voice and all that sort of stuff. But maybe Jim Broadbent wasn't like loud enough, or, or something like that. Projecting enough, or projecting enough, because you know you don't think of Jim Broadbent as a capable singer necessarily, do you? No. <laughs> like, look at him as an actor. He's all very oh dear, yes, hello, hello. I'm Jim Broadbent. I'm just going to fumble and bumble around like this, <laughs> Slughorn. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think of Slughorn singing too much. No. But he does in this movie. I think he did like his other stuff. Like his stuff towards the beginning when he was just saying... No, when his can-can. This is the Milan Rouge, his can-can. Which was good, actually. I liked that. You like the can-can? I like the can-can. I like the can-can in general, though. I think the can-can's fun. It's like super French. And I just like it. It's the most French thing since the French national anthem (laughs) and the revolution. Speaking of the revolution, the the children of the revolution revolution. is brought up about 84 times in this movie. Yes, there's even a song. I think it's U2. Yeah, children of the revolution. I don't know who it's actually by. There is a U2 song. Well, no, on the the soundtrack. Yeah, on the soundtrack, children of the revolution is U2. Oh. the, the, um, In the Name of Love is U2, and that's in the movie as well. Yeah. That's in that love medley. Yes. Um, there's all sorts. There's so many songs. So many songs. What would you say? Would you say "Like a Virgin" is your least favorite song in this movie? Definitely. As well. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Easy answer. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And then yeah. there's "Nature Boy" right at the beginning. Um, and I think on the soundtrack, there's a soundtrack version of Nature Boy that's sung by David Bowie, which is really great. Mm. Which I haven't listened to that soundtrack in a while, which I kind of like watching it again. was like, oh, I got to revisit the soundtrack because I remember listening to this CD <laughs> see, yes. a lot. <laughs> yes. I like CDs. Yeah, I like CDs. I, 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 I still have a lot of CDs. I have a whole binder, like, I found of CDs. So, like, I still have a CD player in my car. So I had been, like, I had taken that whole 
kind of book of CDs that I had and would just play it on my drives to LA. So that was always kind of fun, like rediscovering like mix CDs that I made and stuff. Um, I mean, and yeah, so. I mean, I never, <laughs> I honestly never got that far into, into making too many of yeah. my own CDs and that kind of thing. I would always um, have like the same three songs on like every mix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's such a wide variety of music, that and then you must just have one liked. song I always put on there. Yeah, basically you're just listening to the same song over and over and over again, and n- not even caring because you just really like that one song. Exactly, and not course. even realizing that it's about drug addiction until you're 23 so- years old, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you should revisit. Oh, I know that song. That's a great song. I used to listen to that song all the time as a five-year-old. Oh, God, is that what it's about? Yes. Or like songs that are super dirty and you're like, oh, I don't what? Yeah. What? Oh, what what was one of those that's like um, Shaggy? Shaggy. It wasn't me. You know the song that's literally yes. like the most dirty song ever? Yeah. Four-year-old me is all about it. <laughs> all about that. Even realize. <laughs> all about that. Me. All about that song. Scandalous, Morgan. Scandalous. I love it, and like now it's just like, oh god, look, listen to it all. <laughs> listen to it all. Yeah. Why did I like this as a child? <laughs> I mean, I still like the song. It's a good song. Um, yes. But it's not really something a four-year-old or however old I was. I don't remember exactly <laughs> how old I was. Should be really rocking out to. Yeah. <laughs> Should be. Oh yeah, is that song on? Yeah. Yes. I haven't got a clue what the words are still. By the way, to the actual rap, no idea. It's way too. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows any of the words that Shaggy is ever rapping. So it's it's okay. it's, it's it's way too uh, <laughs> way too Jamaican. I'm afraid. Yeah. For me. <laughs> And I te- I, I'm not one of those people that can't understand Jamaican people. I feel like I can, but that's Jamaican rap is probably a little too, yeah, next level. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yes, like like Janine said before, sometimes it takes me a little time for things <laughs> to process in my head. Yes, yes. <laughs> But I appreciate you uh, listening to uh, some Shaggy like that. <laughs> what happened to Shaggy? What Shaggy done? I mean, he probably got, <laughs> he probably got, you know, done for being dodgy or something, didn't he? Let's be honest. He yeah, probably got found know. out for being dodgy. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna look that up. So we'll just keep no, up we're not looking thought of Shaggy for now. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised a song of Shaggy's didn't show up in this movie. That's around the same time as 2001. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, He's, he was, he was pretty big. popular at that time. Yeah, this was this was before. This was before a little bit before, wasn't it? A little bit before Jay Z, maybe. So Jay Z yeah. was like the biggest rapper in like 2003 or something like that, and then before that. Shaggy. Shaggy had his moment the in the sun. <laughs> which is a weird a weird time in history. Yes. Um what else, what else happens in this movie then? What else happens in this oh, movie? Oh, we get a little cameo from uh, Kylie Minogue as the Green Fairy. We do. After you we drink do. some absinthe. Yes, I don't Have I you drank absinthe drank before? Once. Oh, it was awful. You didn't see a dancing Kylie Minogue? No. <laughs> 
No, I remember drinking. I remember drinking uh, absinthe, like a shot, of, you know, of absinthe. It's just awful stuff. But I also yeah. remember my friend drinking not a shot of absinthe, and I mean like I mean like a drink of absinthe, and <sighs> didn't end well. Vomity, vomity. Oh, no. So, but, like, what did it do to you? Did, your no, shot, just, I just had one. No, it's just fine because I just, one shot is just like, oh, that's horrible. Never again. Just the taste. So, just yeah. the taste was, it didn't, it didn't do any euphoric, crazy things to you. Not to that I can recall, but perhaps. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Um, but, yeah, I like, well, I like that we get a little cameo. Yeah, if you didn't see a uh, dancing Kylie Minogue as a green fairy, then it wasn't worth it. So definitely didn't do that. <laughs> Again, though, Kylie Minogue, Australia. You have to put it in. Yeah, Baz Luhrmann. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's just like, oh, I've only made four movies in my entire life, but let's just throw every Australian big Australian name person there. I know. Yeah, <laughs> because Australia. He actually made a movie called movie Australia. Called Australia, yeah. <laughs> it was an epic wartime romance movie. Where I'm pretty sure Hugh Jackman's character doesn't even have a name. <laughs> Great, wonderful. Nicole yeah, Kidman's also in that movie. Yes. Baz Luhrmann hasn't made a movie since The Great Gatsby. That's so crazy. The Great I mean, Gatsby was very... seven years ago. He has. He's so good at visuals. He is. Why has he yes. not made a movie since then? And he's I recently watched earlier this year. I recently watched Strictly Ballroom for the first time. That was his first movie. It's really good movie. Like I, I don't know why he doesn't do more. And say what you want about like Romeo and Juliet, but it was very like some very interesting uh, unique visuals Janine, in that Janine, movie. Janine, Janine, I think you'll find it's called Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> as it should always be referred to as oh, Romeo course, plus of Juliet. Of course. <laughs> because Juliet is just an addition to Romeo. She's not equal parts in Baz Luhrmann's eyes. Or it's like it's written on a tree. So, Or it's yeah. like it's written on a tree. <laughs> That's true. Unless it's just R plus J in a little love heart. <laughs> That's what he should have called it. <laughs> R plus J in a little love in heart. In a little love heart, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would have fit it would have fit with that version of Romeo and Juliet to be fair it would have yeah something nonsense like that I appreciate Baz Luhrmann for doing wacky things with historical settings though yes I appreciate I do appreciate that Um, I can't I can't dislike Baz Luhrmann Um, he's too he, he looks like he's just having way too much fun with making movies when he when he makes them yeah, um, so, um, yeah, definitely another one up there with our on our list of what happened to them. We definitely should make that a segment yeah. where we're just like, what happened to this person? <laughs> we need another jingle, Jenny. What happened to them? <laughs> I like that. Remember that. <laughs> what happened to Baz Luhrmann? What happened to Richard Rock? No, we know what happened to Richard Roxbury. He's still doing things. Yes. We should definitely, Travolta. I think we should make that a, a segment, though. We should go through and, like, find, like, actual information of what they're doing or whatever. We should, but we, we should actually need jingles from it. <laughs> All our jingles cannot just be sung by me. <laughs> but it's so wonderful. 
<laughs> I I know, but it's it's ridiculous. We need proper jingles. <laughs> okay, all right. I like I'll, jingles. We can make I'll talk it to like David a... B. Maybe he can make us some jingles. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. They only need to be like, you know, a second, two seconds long. <laughs> yeah. Just what happened to them? <laughs> That's all it needs to be. It can be me. You can just take that audio clip if you want, and just add like a little bit of music. And just and add a mu- other just sound add music effects to or it. something. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be that. fine. It'd be fine. Uh, anyway, though, I know we are, you know, coming towards the end. Not quite at the end yet, but um, the actual emotional side of this movie as well is kind of really effective. Yeah, like I entirely believe the love story. Between and it's like it happens, Nicole Kidman, and it happens so fast, but you can still believe it. it like, because I mean, when he's when she thinks he's the Duke and he sings your song, that is her falling love in love with him, but her not like realizing it until later he comes back. And like even when you know the Duke catches them, and then they have to do that whole oh this is a, we're doing a late night rehearsal. And he's coming up with all these brilliant ideas and like you catch moments of them kind of looking at each other, you know, and yeah. then later when he comes back to the elephant and they do the love bedly, that's when she's really kind of letting herself. And even I like that there's a kind of argumentative thing in the love medley where she's fighting against it. Yeah. And he's like, you know, coming back at her with all these love songs to convince her and then by the end of the mountain the medley she's there with him so yeah it happens super fast like they fall in love in one night but because of it, how fast paced they set up the plot and the story and just how powerful the music is you can really kind of just get behind them being in love already and believe I like and, I, and i like their whole love theme you know, and how yes. it's written into the story that, you know, no matter what's going on, if you hear our love theme, then you know that we still love each other and then it's all okay and all of that. Yeah. What is it? That, what, what's, the, what's the quote? The, the, greatest the greatest thing... The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. There you go. So you know the quote. I had to <laughs> think about it. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Applause. Applause. <laughs> applause. Applause. Yes. Applause. Yes. Um, no, it's super good, though, like the love story. I really like it. It's a very, very natural feeling. Uh, love, you know, emotional bond and all that kind yeah. of thing. It feels real. It feels... I just, I, I like it. I mean, it's all very and sneaky, even, sneaky, and kind of yes. Like, and let's I not like tell to play Jim Broadbent, and like the comedic parts of it, like you know them doing things like right behind the Duke's back, and then he, yes. like he turns around and they're acting like they're all fine. And, yeah. I mean, how they don't get caught is ridiculous, though. So, but then you know they do the Duke. Oh, they do. They do catches on and. Yeah. It's Jim Broadbent, though, and Jim Broadbent's not happy about it. But Jim Broadbent's the father figure, so he's kind of not happy about it, but he's kind of also weirdly supportive of it. Yes, especially by the end. And then, like, you obviously know Satine's going to die, and, like, everybody yeah. knows except Christian, a.k.a. Ewan McGregor. Yes. So him kind of ultimately thinking that, you know, 
he's won her back and they're going to have this life together. And then, you know, cause you see throughout the whole movie that she's, you know, dying and you hear that she's dying. And then you kind of know from the beginning of the movie that she's dying, but, um, kind of, what is she dying of coughing up a lung? That's all I got out of it. She was just coughing up blood. What is it? I can't, I can't remember what actual disease it was that she had. She was just coughing up blood. That's all I got. I mean, it's never a good sign. It's probably a sign that something very, very serious is wrong. And in France in 1900, it's definitely a sign that you would be dying. Yes. But what is it? Do we know what it is? Exactly what it is. She, okay. Oh, she had tu- she had tuberculosis. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Coughing up blood, yes. tuberculosis. Yes. And okay. of course, in that time, they're not going to have anything that can. That time, tuberculosis that. is a death sentence. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why you know that's only like 120 years ago. That's not that long ago for something like tuberculosis <laughs> to be a death yeah. sentence. Yeah. And now we don't even think about tuberculosis as a thing. Yeah, we get um, tested for that at my work. Like, every year we have to get a test. But it's just, like, so easy to just get rid of. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. You're not getting it. Oh, yeah, somebody thanks. at my work, somebody at my work did the TB test, and then you go too late, two, two days later and get it checked. And if you, like, they put, like, a little um, injection under your skin. And no, it makes ha- a horrible. Of of a fluid under your uh, skin, and like yeah, like just right like on the like lightest it. surface level Stop of your arm. Over describing <laughs> it's horrible, and it makes a little bump, and then you go ah. back two days later, and if the bump is still there, then you have it, but if it's gone, then you don't have it. And somebody at my work, their bump was not gone away in the two days, and they had tuberculosis, so they had to go like be quarantined away. <laughs> and like treated and everything (laughs) so yeah we have to do this we have to do this once a year tuberculosis testing well (laughs) don't get it i mean (laughs) if you get it you just get treated for it anyway it's not a death sentence anymore yes somebody at my work had it and they were easily you know taken care of so Yes, they did not die in the arms of their love, like Satine. I mean, it's all very tragic, isn't it? Dying in the arms of your love. And and your love not knowing that you were dying until the very end. Everybody knows. And, like, I didn't even think about that until I watched it again recently. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's really kind of messed up that, like, everybody knew except him. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, Hugh McGregor's very good at playing sad as well. Yes. He's like super good at playing very, very distraught. Yes. And I like it. I, I just love Ewan McGregor. Yeah. He's I, I great. just really he's great do. In this movie. Really, really do. He I he's so he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> if this was anyone else, I wouldn't like this movie anywhere near as much. But because it's Ewan McGregor, I'm just like, oh, he's so cool. Yeah. I have a man crush on Ewan McGregor if it wasn't clear. Yeah. I think you do, yeah. It's very Just because he looks like me, basically, I have a man crush on myself. It's so egotistical, which is the so most egotistical. vain thing I've ever said, and also not entirely true. But I do have a man crush on Ewan McGregor, because who doesn't? Right, especially Beardy Ewan McGregor. As Beardy we Ewan McGregor mentioned earlier. 
Certainly. Certainly be a Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Circa Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) Or um, weird Ewan McGregor in, I don't know, Ewan McGregor in general. (laughs) I mean, Ewan McGregor in Birds of Prey was a little flamboyant for my personal, you know, attractive tastes as that goes into a little bit of the realm. He didn't have the beard and it goes into a little bit of the realm that I'm afraid to some people I do not, you know, partake in. Yes. Um, However, it's still you, McGregor. (laughs) And I'm sure whenever we do see the... Still great. sure whenever we do see the... uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. I'll just be like, oh, yes, this is perfect. Yes, you and McGregor. <laughs> You're going to be so excited. We'll be like looking into a mirror. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> Very alone. All in the, in the, <laughs> not liking the sand, but having to deal with it. Beardy. <laughs> looking after children from a distance. <laughs> I don't look after children from a distance, though I don't know what I'm talking about. We do have a call, Janine, today. <laughs> Very great segue, Morgan. Um, Thank yes, you. we do have a call from uh, our good friend, Billy Pollyan. See what he had to say. I, I will always love you. Hey, Morgan and Janine. Uh, so I saw you were doing Moulin Rouge. I only recently just watched this for the first time, as it was also my first Baz Luhrmann film. And I, I know he has a reputation for being a very divisive filmmaker. Um, so the first half of this movie, I'm not going to lie, it did not grab me. It was, I, I did not like it as much. It was, it's the weirdest editing that I've ever seen, and it cuts like crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, I still, it, it was, it was... I enjoyed my experience once you got used to the style and everything. Um, and uh, I'm going to probably have to give a second voicemail to further my thoughts. But, uh, yeah, just tune in for that. All right, part two. Okay, second part of the voicemail. So, uh, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Wow, they have quite the voices, especially Ewan McGregor. Um... I actually like um, the guy that plays. Uh, he he he's the uh, Basil in uh, Austin Powers. I like him a lot as the Duke, and yeah, it was it was a very enjoyable movie. I do I do not regret it, and you can watch the main show. It's a wonderful podcast, Machine Mondays every single Monday, and Morgan hasn't seen, which I know you are listening to right now. Hype Man out. Oh, gotta love when he hypes up the shows like that. Thank we you, do. Billy, we, and we, thank we you love... for that. <laughs> thank you for that two-parter message as well. We love Billy being the hype man. He's great. Yeah, Billy. Billy was best. singing. Billy. Billy's confident enough to sing. Yeah, I like that. He was like he was like a Jim Broadbent uh, Ziegler hype man right there. So he was. He was. <laughs> I. I will always love you, Billy. I yes, will always beautiful love singing. You. Thank you. Yes, beautiful singing up top. Yeah, I mean, he's he's echoing things that we say. The first half of the movie is bizarre and craziness yeah. and full of nonsense. Crazy cuts. 
Yeah. But I still kind of really liked it because it was just all... It worked with my little... You know, sometimes I like surreal mind, you know, surrealism yeah. and things like that in my mind. And it reminded me of expressionism in the movies. Okay. So I, I, like, I, I like that. I know you are very visual with movies and you kind yes. of focus on that more than story and plot things. So I wasn't sure how it was going to work with your brain when it was like a lot of visual, interesting things that you like, but the plot is also kind of quickly thrown in with all the crazy visuals happening. So I no, didn't know if fine. you were going to be able to kind of compartmentalize and put that all to back together in your head. And so I was no. very curious to see how that was going to play for you. If it was going to be too jarring, like all the kind of fast paced cuts and turns and zooms and crazy things and them kind of just like, really speed talking plot points yeah in those quick moments like i didn't know how that was all going to kind of work with your brain and how you how i know you to see movies so um i was definitely curious to see how all that was going to kind of work in your brain no i uh i think i think ultimately when you put interest in visuals on that it just makes me focus more so i get all that if it's something like Let's go back to The Best Man, which was my confusing, huge ensemble <laughs> of relationships and characters from before. Yeah. Like, there ain't no interesting visuals in those movies. They're just good movies, you know? They're just... Yeah. But they're, they're shot very basically, aren't they, really? There's nothing... Yeah. They're supposed to be realistic, you know, to a point. So... With that sort of stuff, because I'm kind of because it's I'm less I'm I'm almost less subconsciously focused on it because it's not as interesting to look at. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So if I'm more interested in what I'm looking at, then I'm actually taking in more information. Okay, I like that. So I, okay. I think that's I think that's what was going on. You know, Great. I, 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 I do have to uh, correct Billy. I'm afraid though. Because yes. Basil from Austin Powers is Michael York from Logan's Run. This yes. is Richard Roxburgh from Van Helsing. I and love Van Helsing. It's such a too. bizarre movie. <laughs> That's another really weird movie that I've I just like. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. It's such a weird movie. It's such it was, The oh. CGI is so bad. And it was like just one another failed attempt at like reviving uh, Universal yeah. Monsters. Just a no. <laughs> there were one. many yes, sad attempts one. of reviving Universal Monsters. <laughs> it's got everyone in there. Like it's Dracula's in there, Mr. Hyde is in there, the Wolfman's in there, Frankenstein's yeah. monsters in there. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman's just going around shooting everybody. <laughs> and it's like old timey, like weapons but still like and and um david wenham's in that movie as well and he's also in moulin rouge he plays all oh, yes. who i didn't recognize it was david wenham first until i kept looking and just that's david wenham isn't it yes, yes it is david wenham <laughs> he, he's had a weird career of character work yes <laughs> he really has anyway Anything else we want to say about Moulin Rouge, Janine? Um, so overall, you enjoyed it. Yes, I did. I, I, I gather. Did. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it. I don't think it was my favorite 
of the movies we've done. Um, but you know, for this series, still think, still think, Dream Girls. I mean, I know, I suppose. Um, now we're at the end of the modern musical series. Let's try and put them in some sort of order. Okay. Of preference, Dream Girls at the top. Okay. Um, I mean, this, this. What, what else have we done? We've done Chicago, Chicago, Dream Girls, Hairspray, and this. And this, yes. Is there only the four, or wasn't five yes. this month? No, there was only four. Then I think my least favorite was Chicago. <laughs> okay. Weirdly, <laughs> but I still really like Chicago. And then it's a, to be honest, it's a toss up between this and Hairspray. For second place. For second place. The okay. two radically different movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you want fun, watch Hairspray. If you want... An interesting visual experience. Yeah, wacky visuals, watch watch this. Yeah, some creative, creative flair. But Dreamgirls is just the culmination of all wonderful stuff. It's just... Yes, and your favourite era of music and everything. It's the best. Eddie Murphy being weird. <laughs> just like it. He liked Dreamgirls. Jamie Foxx being sinister. It's great. Yes. I love it. Anyway, are we saying there we go, Janine? I think we are saying there we go. We are saying there we go. There we go, guys. That has been uh, another episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. And another series. Modern mu- another series. Seen. Modern musicals. What is the next series, Janine? I don't know if we're going to go through all <laughs> the movies we're going no, to no, be no. discussing quite today. So we are tinkering around. Well, I'm tinkering around as, you know, I choose these movies for Morgan to watch. And since... Um, there is a beautiful, shiny spotlight on Black Lives Matter. I thought it would be wonderful to cover black films for July. Um, and there are so many I want to show Morgan. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm considering us doing a double feature of black films every week in July. Um, you know, two movies that are kind of similar genres or themes or um, that kind of thing. So like two dramas, two comedies, two, you know, romance movies, something like that, two maybe horror films. Yes. <laughs> All centered around um, black films, black culture, black creators, black actors, that kind of thing. And some of just my favorites that I want to share with Morgan. So, um, you know, I think we might start with uh, some dramas. Okay. And because, you know, it is you know, a patriotic month next month. Yes. Maybe we will start with Glory and uh, Lean on Me as our first two, uh, our double feature for the beginning of July for this I series. mean, obviously, obviously Denzel Washington was going to show up in one way or another. Oh, yes. <laughs> during a double feature month of five weeks on black <laughs> movies, Denzel yes. Washington was He's definitely going to pop up somewhere. <laughs> Yes, so, so I'm, like, I'm, yeah, you know that could change, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna do dramas and stick with Glory, and Lean on Me for the first okay. week next next okay. week. Like I said, black movies is a is a category of movies I still need to delve deeper into, and I do feel like I've uh, I've got a uh, a good base yeah. on 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 black movies, and certainly a better base after our. Uh, rom-coms, black rom-coms in, back in February. 
Um, but this is just going to improve that more. And I like that. And Janine's excited. I know Janine's excited about it. I am. So I don't think, I don't know that I'll... I get to watch some movies that I've been wanting to watch for actually a while. Like Glory, for instance, that I really should have watched by this point. And I don't know that I'll be picking, like, you know, really obvious things that people expect me to pick or that are like... No, because sometimes I will have seen them. Yes. So I'm picking kind of things that I love that I grew up on that were really fun or like significant to me um so yeah hopefully you'll enjoy my picks for morgan and um yeah yeah, i'm excited to show him some of these uh black films so yeah that is what we have coming up on morgan hasn't seen over the next month uh we also of course have machine mondays every monday with janine talking all her schmodown things this week was a great episode because she was breaking down her inner geekdom debut, as well as I some was. of the other matches as well that happened last week. So go and check out Machine Mondays if you haven't already. And this week on the main show, on Friday, it's a wonderful podcast where we always talk those wonderful older movies that we love so much and give a nice light to them. We have The Three Faces of Eve, because yes. we were in, we were, we were excited about multiple personality movies again, weren't yes. we, Janine? We did do a bonus um, a bonus episode of one of the podcasts, and we were talking about our favorite kind of multiple personality, dual kind of personality movies, and in kind of looking at movies that we could talk about on this, like our little bonus episode, um, I came across this one, and I thought it looked really interesting. The lead actress in the movie actually won an Oscar for this role. I believe it, comes yeah. out, it came out in 1957. Um, so yeah, I was definitely curious to kind of see this uh dual personalities film in from the 50s so yeah we're gonna get on it we're gonna (laughs) get on it it's gonna be fun (laughs) but yes um all three shows monday wednesday friday you can find all on the it's a wonderful podcast feed and that is on anchor apple podcast spotify stitcher google podcast Castbox, a whole bunch of others we're absolutely everywhere or just on twitter there's dogs barking outside (laughs) isn't that fun Shut up, dogs. Um, the, uh, they're so excited. You, they are. They're very excited. They're very about excited where you can about, find the show. They're yeah. very excited about black movies, Janine. I think they are. Very excited yeah. about black movies. Um, you can, of course, find the show on Twitter as well. At It's a Wonderful One. I am on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in there because, Janine. Three is the magic number. Or on Instagram at just the purple don. Is that everything? And the Patreon. The Patreon, Janine. Tell people about the Patreon. Oh, you can find our Patreon at It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com. Or just search It's a Wonderful Podcast on Patreon. And yeah, we have some fun tiers. You can get monthly artwork. You can chill with us every Sunday on a fun Sunday live stream. Uh, you can get fun little videos getting to know us better and uh, custom artwork. All kinds of fun stuff. Great way to support my art. Morgan's awesome media stuff. <laughs> These barking dogs outside. And I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the podcast we do together. So it's a great way to support us. So check out the Patreon. It's a wonderful one on patreon.com and find the tier that's right for you. Exactly. And the, that was, that was, your nice thing there was ruined by the barking dog. So yes. I think let's just be quick about it and just not oh, well, do what, well, what, I mean, what do we have other things to say? Well, also, you know, you can find me 
Oh yes, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm losing the plot. Yeah, the dogs uh, are distracting can, me. I'm you can sorry. find me at Janine Devine on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and you can check out my T Public shop on tpublic.com at G9 Design to get you know any merch for our shows or check out any of my artwork. Or if you are a patron at the right tier, you can buy your custom artwork there as well. And that is very important. Find Janine at Janine DeBean, Janine DeBean, Janine DeBean, Janine DeBean on everything, G9 Design and all that good stuff. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean, I was distracted. Mm-hmm. I was distracted mm-hmm. by the dogs. Uh-huh. Don't mm-hmm me. Don't be doing none of that all the back. They're just back. Anyway, I think that's all we have to say. Thank you, everybody, yes. for listening. Um, it's been fun. Moulin Rouge. Yay. Yes. You can tell everybody that this is your episode. <laughs> that was pathetic. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Janine, take it away. Three, two, one. Bye. Not today, thank you. <laughs>